Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to episode 94 of the Headspace and Timing podcast. On today's show, I have two guests that are talking about an innovative new research project designed to determine how we can bridge the gap between veterans and organizations that want to support them. Casey Kelly from the Warrior Wellness Alliance, part of the George W. Bush Institute, and Glenn Coppersmith from data analytics company Quantify, join me to talk about the Warriors Connect project. When I first brought this concept to the Alliance, um, I think it was actually Jared Lyon, the CEO of Student Veterans of America, who who said, Casey, from my perspective, I, I can't imagine why we wouldn't do this. This type of data is our blood donation. Um, it is the blood donation of the past. Um, it is the future. And we as veterans should be leading that. Welcome to the Headspace and Timing podcast, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes around veteran mental health. My name is Dwayne France, and I'm a retired Army non-commissioned officer and a combat veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. After retiring from the Army, I took on a new mission as a clinical mental health counselor for my fellow service members. If you served in any branch of the military, then you're familiar with the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal. It's one of the most effective weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing wasn't set correctly, however, it was just a useless chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing's not set correctly either. That's my goal with this show, to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week, we'll talk with mental health professionals, veterans, and those who support service members, veterans, and their families. We're going to have real and honest conversations about a topic that most just don't like to talk about, veteran mental health. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Headspace and Timing podcast once again. And as always, really appreciate you taking the time to listen and learn more about veteran mental health. I, uh, I have a, a really interesting show here today. I've got a couple of guests on, one returning guest and one new guest um, to talk about something that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, so my guests today are, are Casey Kelly and Glenn Coppersmith. Uh, Casey, if you'll remember, uh, was on the show back in episode 54 uh, talking about the Warrior Wellness Alliance and the Bush Institute. Um, and then uh, Glenn is the co-founder uh, and CEO of a company called Quantify um, that is working with the Bush Institute to to try to do a pretty interesting research project that is sorely needed. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the uh, Warriors Connect program as part of the Warrior Wellness Alliance in a partnership with Quantify. So uh, Casey and Glenn, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Dwayne. I'm delighted to be back. Yes, absolutely. I, I always like to have the uh, the recurring guests um, cuts down on the learning curve, maybe. Um, but before we get into the um, uh, the Warriors Connect program, I'd like to give you an opportunity to tell the audience, Casey, a little bit about your background and and what you're doing with this project. Sure. Um, thank you. Um, just quickly, I, I joined the Bush Institute about a year and a half ago to help. Um, their military service initiative with standing up a more focused um, health and well-being um, portfolio um, and to operationalize what they had recently launched in the Warrior Wellness Alliance. Prior to that, I spent about 15 years at the VA um, working in mental health care and suicide prevention, last of which was as the National Director of Public-Private Partnerships in Suicide Prevention and Mental Health um, at the national level. Um, just a bit about the Bush Institute, uh, in case some of you may not be aware, as President Bush likes to say, the Institute is a, is a do tank as opposed to a think tank. Um, through the Institute, we advance the work begun by President and Mrs. Bush um, while they were in, in office and take on new work 
in the United States and around the world by developing leaders, advancing policy, and taking action to solve some of today's most difficult challenges. Um, the Military Service Initiative is one of the initiatives at the Institute, and it helps post-9-11 veteran families um, make successful transition to civilian life. And we have a focus on optimizing health and well-being and leveraging meaningful education and employment opportunities. Um, Dwayne mentioned specifically the Warrior Wellness Alliance. Um, the alliance is um, currently a group of 13 organizations um, that work together to leverage the incredible power of peer networks, such as Student Veterans of America, The Mission Continues, Team Red, White, and Blue, Team Rubicon, um, the Wounded Warrior Project, and our own Team 43, and connect them directly with the best-in-class mental health care programs around the country. Um, we, um, through the Alliance, we believe that, um, that mental health and wellness is about thriving, not just surviving. And we're looking for innovative ways um, to help more veterans thrive in communities post-service. Yeah, and this is uh, going back to our previous conversation. The the um, link that needs to happen that I see that needs to happen is between the clinical community uh, and then the veterans themselves, which is where all the the network uh, partners. Um, and so having that uh, that link, um, that hallway, if you will. Um, and, and as we are in a digital age, of course, um, a lot of it has to do with um, uh, being connected uh, social media and digitally. Um, and, and that's where, where Glenn and Quantify comes in. So, Glenn, if you would uh, give a little bit of background on what you're doing and sort of um, how these two programs sort of uh, merge. Yeah, thanks. The, so, Quantify, my background and Quantify are both uh, very much intertwined. We're we're both a mix of sort of computer science and technology and uh, mental health and well-being psychology. Uh, and so it's the Quantify was built around the idea that there is data that is to be found out in the world that is relevant to people's mental health and well-being. And it's currently not in the hands of clinicians. It's not being used in any sort of way that can actually help us quantify, ha, 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 uh, track and improve <laughs> outcomes. Uh, and so this, uh, this all started where uh, a, f a friend of mine came back and was not quite the same. Uh, and you could tell the way he was behaving online. You could tell without even seeing him that he wasn't doing super well. Um, and I, at the time, I was a professor at Hopkins studying machine learning and natural language processing. And it became very clear that uh, I had the tools that would be necessary to find people like him and to maybe figure out how to get them to care. Uh, and so thus is the thesis that began this. I, I, I left Hopkins in 2015 and started this company, and we have sort of been building the requisite technology and the requisite relationships to be able to um, data empower the mental health space. And so this, in, in many ways, is like the dream come true for us that we can uh, help the sorts of people that we were that originally motivated the company's creation um, and work with people that really have that. We can help uh, identify and understand the people that are at risk. But it's people like Casey and the Warrior Wellness Alliance that really are the, the linchpin in actually affecting change and making them uh, bring them to a better place. You know, that's great. I, you know, I, it, I see the Warrior Wellness Alliance between the networks and the mental health providers um, on the human side um, and then quantify on the technological side. Um, that, uh, you know, is sometimes we think one can stand without the other, but we actually need both. As a clinician, and Casey and I have had many conversations about this, um, and, and Glenn, we talked about this even a, a little bit this morning, that the amount of frustration that I have around the, the clinical community not being able to communicate to the, um, uh, the veterans themselves. So, uh, Casey, maybe I think that uh, to kind of start off on giving a little bit of a background be behind why the Warriors Connect program is necessary and, and sort of um, how it came about. Sure. Um, well, when I first started thinking about our, our strategic approach for the Alliance, um, we, we know that our peer networks that are involved um, in the Alliance and are with us at the table in aggregate make up about a million post-9-11 veterans. And we are aggressively working to figure out where their existing operational points within each of those organizations where 
um, a referral to uh, our mental health care partners can be made. Um, and, and we also know that on any given day, the best available data that, that we have tells us that on any, any given day, somewhere between 250 to 275,000 veterans are dealing with untreated invisible wounds. Um, and one of our challenges is we don't, we don't know where to find them. And, um, we are looking for every, um, every rock that we want to turn over to find, find those veterans and to identify, um, more creative and innovative ways to reach out to them and connect them. Um, historically outreach efforts, whether we're talking about my time at the VA or through any of our partners have kind of been designed around a one size fits all. And, um, there's been one blast email that's been sent out or, you know, maybe if funding was there, a couple of different types of, of outreach videos based on either service era or, or some demographics. And we were really looking to try to um, better understand what are the different types of veterans along the health seeking continuum and what is going to empower someone, you know, like a Casey Kelly to reach out for help. Um, versus a Dwayne France versus a Glenn Copper Smith. Um, and through the alliance, we, we actually worked with our peer networks to generate a range of veteran archetypes that we, we knew our partners were seeing in their networks. And we, we also knew existed sort of out in the veteran landscape more broadly. And some of them are probably familiar to you as a, as a clinician, Wayne. You know, they fall into categories such as, you know, the veteran that I would describe as, you know, I'm all in. You know, volunteering for everything under the sun to help all of his buddies, but never really dealing with his own, his own stuff, right? Um, or there might be the, the veteran on the other end of the spectrum that's the I'm broken that I really can't figure out even how to, um, manage some of the daily lives. Um, and then perhaps in the middle somewhere, there's the veteran that we would describe as, you know, I'm good. And, you know, she's, um, perhaps not trusting of VA, um, not trusting of services that are available. You know, she, she thinks she's, she's, she's got this, right? Um, and so, um, from my VA time, um, it, you know, I knew we had these qualitative, um, subgroups, um, but couldn't really figure out what would be a smart data driven way to go after them, um, and much more precise outreach. Um, tactics. Um, but in my VA days, um, I, I had come across Quantify and, and met Glenn and the team, um, at a suicide prevention conference. And, and we had talked about trying to figure out how to work together. Um, and, and at that time, you know, there, there was just a lot going on related to advancements in technology and, um, still, you know, I can, Glenn can actually speak more to this, but, Technology has been advancing so fast that um, in many ways, humans haven't caught up and meaning that our ethics and our processes um, just haven't been designed and developed. And you know, there's lots of caution and continues to be lots of caution about using technology as it should be. Um, fast forward to you know a year and a half later when I'm at the Bush Institute and, and we started designing these veteran archetypes and really trying to figure out how we work with the Alliance to more strategically outreach to each of them and quantify those archetypes. Um, I felt compelled to reach back to Glenn and the team to see if there was any way that they could do that using our digital lives um, and using the social media analyses that they have really led the field in advancing. Um, Glenn, please fill in the tech places that is not right in my lane. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of um, um, information that you could fill in there. Yeah, I think you got it. You got it just about right. Uh, the, the There's a there's a lot to say here. And right? so I'm sort of a technologist at heart. And so my, my proclivity would be to go down and talk about all the, the cool tech and how this works. But that's not actually where the really interesting parts lie and where the real challenges lie. In many ways, like the tech is easy. This is stuff that like has been developed and we're not using super cutting edge new machine learning techniques. The real innovation that we've brought to the table are understanding the data and understanding the challenge. 
um, and trying to find a way to use social media information and stuff that is like non-traditional information about a person um, to sort of fill in the gaps in between outside of the clinic and in between uh, what the, the sort of healthcare professionals can see. Um, but uh, Casey's right to talk about the ethics here. This is sort of the, the, the biggest challenge that we've, uh, if you had told me a couple of years ago that I would spend as much time thinking through and talking about the ethics of applying technology that might save people as building technology that might save people, I would not have believed it for a second, but it turns out like this is actually the critical component. Like how ought one, assuming that we have a piece of technology that can find people at risk, how, how do you use that? How should you use that? And so this is a, a, a critical component of the discussions that we've had both, you know, a lot of, a lot of time with the, the experts at, uh, MSI and, uh, you know, outside of the suicide prevention world. This ends up being, uh, sort of the, the cornerstone of a lot of the, the discussions that we have, which, so the, let me briefly talk about the, the technology and then I'm sure we'll spend a bunch more time talking about ethics and how it should be applied. Um, but, but very briefly, the technology that this is based on is looking at digital life data. So this is data like your social media data, your wearable data, if you've got like a Fitbit or something else like that, uh, your activity type data like Strava. Um, these are things that you're doing in your day-to-day life that have, that you are recording them digitally. Um, and so for a lot of your social media posts, you're posting things, you're, you're, um, uh, talking about your life, uh, maybe documenting it with images and videos. Uh, and then for the wearable things, this is tracking how you're moving, how you're sleeping, and uh, workouts are tracking what you're doing to work out if, if that's the sort of thing that you do. Um, and so Quantify takes a sort of holistic picture, grabs a bunch of this data together with permission, with opt-in, so we'll get to the ethics on that in a second. But provided that we have this data for a person, um, we have, uh, we've built machine learning models that can look at all that data, find patterns, and help people to understand, are they getting better, are they not getting better, are they doing well, are they not doing well. Um, and so in and of itself, this provides some numbers uh, in a space that is sort of difficult to quantify, um, which is sort of, are, are we are we making progress, right? If I showed up and I was I was having a tough time, like, what does that mean? What does a tough time really mean? And like, how do we actually track if the things that we're trying to make life better and more enriched and more fulfilling, is that having the, the effect that we intend? Uh, or is it not working? Should we try something else? Uh, so the the, the models and how we get there and how we build these things are super interesting. I'm happy to talk at length, but I suspect that's not what we should, we should talk at length about. The real rub comes in assuming that we have the ability to, um, for example, we have a, one of the most recent papers we put out has state of the art suicide risk detection. So looking at this data, we can detect suicide, the risk for suicide months out, months prior to an attempt. Um, and it appears to be at rates better than a, a clinician would according to what other people have published about the, the efficacy of clinicians at detecting this. Um, but this is like the quintessential question. I have this piece of technology now. How should this touch the clinical system? And how should this best like give superpowers to the clinicians? Because the real answer is like, this isn't going to make anybody better. This is going to help a clinician or a primary care physician or something else be able to better screen, be able to better identify, like, are we making progress? Um, and so that's really where the, the really interesting stuff comes in. How does this, that piece of technology fit into the existing, the existing clinical space and the, the people who actually make people better? And one of the things that, like, I, I just had shifted my thinking about how we have to figure out how to get this technology into more clinicians hands and more, more ultimately in my case my perspective is ultimately more more end users more customers hands at some point um, is just when you show a graph of how much data is collected when you see a clinician um, and we're talking primary care clinician that's you know at best twice a year um, we're talking you know about evidence-based mental health care maybe once a week but the amount of data from our digital life that is available in between those sessions is just I mean, exponentially larger. Um, and being able to capture that in a way that is useful um, for both the, the clinical world, but but also to me as a as a customer about you know feeling empowered to be more aware of my own health and well being. And to know what to do with it just was incredibly compelling and which led to us launching Warriors Connect. Um, and just briefly, it's, it's the Alliance's latest 
effort to um, to try to find innovative solutions to get into more clinicians' hands and more veterans' hands. Um, this groundbreaking research project um, asked people very transparently to donate their public-facing social media and fitness tracker information across eight different platforms. Um, the goal is to better understand the health and, and health and mental health care in particular and well-being um, of the veteran population and so that it will help us um, you know drive more strategic outreach and more strategic and precise programs to meet the range of veterans where they are when they need it. See, and, and that's a, and I'm still continuing to hear this connection between the two, right? Um, you know, Casey, you're, you're coming from a background where you, you had a lot of, uh, you know, private partnerships and you know the, the benefit of clinicians and Jen, uh, Glenn, of, of course you do too. But, but Casey, you say, I have my hands full of all of these great clinicians. Now what do I do with it? Um, and then, you know, Glenn, you also say, I have my hands full of all this great data. What do I do with it? And so it's, it's sort of like, you know, peanut butter's great, chocolate's great. But if you put the two of them together, you get really, really good greatness. Um, and, and this is a thing that I've always said, both standing in the gap, being a veteran, um, myself, the lived experience of essentially the end user, but also being a clinician. Um, and, and even a content developer, um, we don't know what we don't know works with veterans. We say we want to solve veteran suicide. We say we want to help more veterans, but we don't actually know what the veterans are talking about. And I think that's really where, you know, the, the Warriors Connect program is before we give veterans something that they may or may not use, we first have to decide what they're actually talking about. Um, because, uh, as you said, Glenn, that your friend who came back and said he was struggling, um, that's a lot of different stuff, right? Whether he was struggling with PTSD or he was struggling with purpose and meaning or he's struggling with substance abuse or family issues right? and being able to say, what does that struggling mean? And be able to separate that out. And so when, when I first heard uh, Casey, when you were talking about the Warriors Connect, it was what are veterans actually talking about is what we need to know. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, even further, right? We talk of, about veterans as if they're one monolithic group and that couldn't be further from the truth. And so like, we, you know, Casey talked a bit about these archetypes, but starting to think about it in terms of what is a, I'm, uh, I'm all good need that is different from an I'm all in, uh, or an I'm broken type, uh, person need. And that's, that's really been, uh, transformative here where both the information and data that we have on our side and the clinicians who actually have different approaches for these folks and how to, um, how to help them figure out what it is that's going to make their life more enriched and, and increase their well-being. Uh, that's a great spot for us to meet and actually have a much more meaningful conversation and how do we prevent veteran suicide. Uh, at, a, at a sort of broad level, uh, much more actionable things come out of that. I'm just going to say, um, you know, for the, the clinicians on the call, you know, it's like thinking about motivational interviewing with just so much more data and so much more precision, right? Instead of one protocol, um, we might have five. We may need five to reach the different archetypes of veterans where they are. Um, and that, again, to me was like, oh, like, how, how can we not do this, right? Um, how can we not take this step in a smart, thoughtful, you know, um, a very conscientious way? See, and I, as a, a practicing clinician, I see that as very critical. Um, and of course, in, in talking about ethics, even the eth ethics of, of what I do as far as content creation. So, of course, no details, but I'd had a veteran who, for many, many years, uh, had been told you're struggling with PTSD and all of his treatment was, was geared toward his PTSD. Uh, and as we were going through and looking at all these other issues, it turns out that the multiple suicide attempts this veteran has had over the last several years was around disrupted relationships, mother passing away or a, a challenge or, or a, a failed relationship. Um, and so we were aiming for a target that was not the accurate target or, or he had been aimed essentially. And he even thought it himself. He was like, well, of course it's all PTSD until we said, no, it's, it's your frame of reference around relationships. And we talk much more about his need for connection to others and codependency than we do anything about trauma. Um, and, and so if we're not actually 
doing a diagnosis. And that's where the technology can come in. Um, as you said, Casey, if somebody's going to come in, well, well, I know that your PTSD isn't the issue because you're, you know, whatever your heart rate isn't up or your, you know, your sleep isn't there. Um, but the technology would be able to identify, Glenn, what this veteran is most frustrated or most focusing on. That's exactly right. Uh, and to some extent, put some hard numbers on the, on the sleep data at the same time, right? Like there, there's a, the fact of the matter is, so we have this, this graphic that, that, um, Casey sort of, um, referred to earlier. If you look at the, um, the amount of time that lapses in without, uh, without real, co uh, continuous collection of information, uh, in between clinical visits, it's, it's astonishing, right? Effectively, a week or two goes by every time you get an hour or so with a clinician to talk with them as about what's going on. And then you're going to go a week or two at least without, without any real data collection or with minimal data collection. And it's in, in that white space, that clinical white space that like so much of real mental health is happening. And so are you sleeping well? Well, I can, I can tell you really well if I slept well last night. It's harder for me to recall a week ago. And it's almost impossible for me to recall two weeks ago. And so, if, if everything that all the information that, that the clinicians have to work for from is coming from that one interview, um, which I, I realize is sort of a reduction of what the, the, the full process here is. But if you're effectively asking the person to remember how things are going and, and interpret now sitting here in the past, what, what did things look like? That's a very difficult problem, even in the best of scenarios. Um, and so just being able to provide some quantitative information about that. Uh, provides some of that insight uh, that allows you to more directly uh, uh, get at the, the sort of root of the problem. You can look at the data and say, geez, looks like you didn't sleep on Tuesday. What was going on on Tuesday? Let's talk about that. Right? And that's a very different way to approach this, as you, as you had sort of suggested, Dan. Tell me how the last couple of weeks were. Right. And I, and I think that we as clinicians and anecdotally, we know this, this is the challenge is we know what's going on, but we don't have the numbers to back it up. Um, on a, a previous conversation with Dr. Carmen McLean, we were talking about her looking to sign veterans up for, um, for an online program for prolonged exposure. Uh, and she said the vast number of the people that sign up do it at like, in the middle of the night, you know, one in the morning, two in the morning, right? And, and so it's, it's, it indicates, you know, I hear that, she hears that and says, well, of course, those are the veterans that are sort of middle of the night rummaging around and, and think that, but that, even though we have those 12, 14 veterans, that's really anecdotal. We don't know if that applies. We don't know if that veteran is the veteran that during the day says, I'm all in. Um, and then at the night, they're in the I'm not good category. Um, whereas that's where this, this research project and, and what I understand and, and, and in case you can, um, elaborate more, but this is first just, just to set us up. What are the parameters? What are we, what do we not know because we keep trying to apply solutions when we don't even know the question? Yeah, yeah, that, that's actually a really good point. Um, one of the things that I am most hopeful about Warriors Connect um, is just a much clearer understanding of who we're missing and, and, and what we don't know about those veterans that we're missing. Um, I, I, my fear is that, um, through all of our work, whether it's, you know, this podcast or my work in the Alliance or, um, you know, some of the leaders you've had on, on this podcast in the past, we're all talking to the same people. Um, and the people that we really need to be talking to, um, we, we haven't reached yet. And, and so, you know, this innovative approach really allows all of us um, you know, I can't tell you how many times a week I have somebody say to me, what can I do to help? I want to help. Um, this research project, Warriors Connect, is something that allows all of us to come together to identify an innovative solution or innovative solutions um, by opting in and donating your social media um, and fitness tracker information. While we are looking, um, you know, our primary audience is, is veterans, specifically post 9-11 veterans. We are interested in it as, as much data as we can get. We welcome civilians to participate. We welcome veterans of all eras to participate. Um, and we plan to start sharing the insights that we're getting as quickly as possible. Um, as I was thinking about, 
partners for this project, as Glenn mentioned, you know, there are several organizations that do this kind of work. Um, but was um, um, impressive to me about Quantify was their core values of, you know, Glenn told the story that kicked us off today, but also their sort of core values of, um, you know, not not wanting to wait years to be published um, in a, you know, a prestigious manuscript, really to want to operationalize the findings of our work as quickly as possible. That's also consistent with the Bush Institute's um, uh, culture um, and and our policies. And so I'm I'm looking forward to as people more and more people participate, we will begin to start updating them on some of the things that we're finding as quickly um, as possible. Um, and I I do believe that we're going to gain unprecedented insights into the health and well being of veterans through Warriors Connect. Um, and we're, we're all going to be able to celebrate, um, the findings because we're all going to be able to say that, you know, we came together and did something, um, and took action on behalf of ourselves and our own health and well-being and on behalf of our buddies that we've seen struggling over the years. You know, and, and I think, uh, that is critical, um, it, to be able to say, okay, we could talk a lot about it, but, but what do we actually do about it? And this idea of we're having conversations with ourselves, um, you know, <laughs> academics write papers for other academics, right? And, and it's, it's, they're sometimes hard and dense to go through and stuff like that. Um, but there's really meaningful information behind it, um, that, that veterans need to know that can almost in instant, uh, in, in essence be translated. Um, but first we have to understand what people are, are searching for. And this is again, or, or even talking about, and this is where, um, Glenn and sort of the aggregate social media data comes in. Um, and this isn't new. People, I was an army recruiter and we got, you know, market segmentation and this is how we communicate to this particular individual and stuff like that. And that was in, you know, 2003 to 2005. Um, you know, in, in all along the marketers have been identifying, you know, how do I sell, you know, um, drapery to, you know, this person in the Midwest versus this person in California. Um, it's just the mental health field has not had good PR, um, because we don't know what we tell people, what we think they're talking about. We don't actually know, um, is, is Casey, you know, I, I do a lot of different stuff, maybe with, with Amazon Alexa and things like that. And I just saw that, you know, the top 100 searches in Amazon in, uh, 2017, um, and that's really good for like, number one was like the Nintendo Switch, right? And so if you want to write about something that people are searching for, then you write about the Nintendo Switch and you'll get a lot of, uh, you know, feedback. So it's not like I'm, I'm, you know, writing about PlayStation when nobody's searching about it. And so Glenn, this, this research is going to be able to tell us what are veterans talking about and allow the people who know what we're doing talk to that rather than talking to what we think it's about. You hit the nail on the head there. That's exactly the, that's the, the key insight here. And so, uh, while we're, um, we're sort of trawling through this, this information that they've given us, that the veterans have opted in and said, here, you're, you're welcome to look at this, see what it is that my day to day looks like. Um, being able to go through that and be able to provide for the Warrior Wellness Alliance a couple of ideas to say, here's a, here's a place where it doesn't appear that anyone is really engaging them, but there's a bunch of people talking. And so Casey mentioned briefly earlier about uh, the importance of having everyone donating their data, not just the, um, not just the, the post 9-11 veterans or something like this. And this is the critical piece of this, being able to look at what do the civilians look like and how does that differ from the different veteran archetypes? Allow us, us to, provide information to Casey and the Warrior Wellness Alliance that says, here is actually where you're going to disproportionately find veterans. Um, and so if you are going to go out and try to find people and, and bring them into, to, um, uh, into some level of care or some level of, of engagement, um, here's a place where you're actually going to find more veterans or a higher density of them than you would expect. Um, and that's critically because we're able to basically draw a contrast between the civilians who have donated their information to, and the veterans that have donated their information. Uh, but ultimately, this is all getting at how do we, uh, uh, as one of our, our mutual friends, April Foreman, put it, how do we skate to where the puck is going to be? How do we figure out where where is the next thing we should be engaging in? It's not about where it was six months ago, but where is the conversation going and how do we go uh, meet them there? 
you know, where they're interested and where they want to be talking rather than, uh, as you, you suggested, like, um, talking to them about, uh, what we think is going on. Uh, and so we're, we have zero ego about understanding what's happening there. We really let the data speak to us. And this is one of the, the greatest things about working with, you know, with Casey and the Bush Institute here. They feel similarly. They're very data driven. There's no preconceived notions here. We can throw them all out. We can spend all of our time looking at what is the data actually saying? Where are these people? Where do they want to be engaged with? And have it then let's use that to inform our strategy for outreach rather than the other way around. Given what we know, we think we know what they need. Let us provide that to them. The, the number that I referenced earlier, the 250 to 275,000 um, who are who are impacted by the invisible wounds of war and not getting treatment, like, that number hasn't changed in over 10 years. And so when we, you know, started thinking about priorities for the alliance, like doing something different was a priority. <laughs> um, we knew that, like, you know, enough. Like we've been doing the same thing over and over again. What, what is, what is something innovative? What is something different um, that um, we we could try to take on as a group? And really looking at um, the mental health world, and in this case, better mental health. From a consumer-driven approach um, was something that was what that is unique completely about everything we do with the alliance. I think, um, and but then even more specifically through Warriors Connect, and and you you talked about it. I think eloquently, Dwayne, like this in advertising and in sales, people talk about you know, market segmentation all the time. In healthcare, we we haven't gotten there. This is this is honestly like one of the first approaches. Certainly, the first approach in the veteran mental health world. And um, I'm actually not familiar with very many um, efforts under underway in the general mental health world at all, trying to figure out how to segment the market and, and sell mental health care in different ways to people, if you will. I'm a little bit hesitant to talk about that because I was actually talking to a reporter at NatCon, the Student Veterans of America, just sort of informally. And I got an email a couple of days later Am I remembering correctly that the Bush Institute is trying to sell mental health care? <laughs> I was like, um, that's not exactly what we're trying to do. Let's have a follow-up phone call. Um, but yes, when we talk about um, quantifying the veteran archetypes, um, that's exactly what we're trying to do, Dwayne. Segment the marketplace of, of veterans who are dealing with the invisible wounds of war and, and meet them where they are. No, and that's I see the parallels to being a, a recruiter for the military. I wasn't selling a product; I was selling an idea, um, and uh, and and I would sell the idea differently to the kid like me who was sleeping in his dad's basement at twenty years old and said this sucks, versus selling that idea to you know someone that's trying to get into a service academy. Um, and and you know the goal is, and you know. Don't hate me because I was a recruiter, uh, but the the goal is to to be able to provide value to the individual. Um, but I even hear this uh, the segmentation is is there's not a lot of you know some veterans. I've been having this conversation a lot lately. Is not every veteran needs therapy um, as far as sitting on a couch and going in. Some veterans on this spectrum may just need a little bit of stress reduction, and therefore perhaps. Um, Team Rubicon is the the right program for you versus, oh, there's something more going on here. So, you know, the Cohen Veterans Network in your area may be the one. And so it's the one to be able to say, you know, we want to be able to develop as many different um, uh, resources as there are needs. Now, we're, we've been talking a lot about, you know, donating, right? I know what donating means. Um, I can donate blood. I can donate my old uniforms as soon as I get out of the military because I don't want them anymore. My wife, more specifically, doesn't want them in the house anymore. You know, so I know what donating that means. But we keep talking about donating social media. Um, and I'm sure this is an argument that both of you might have heard. But, you know, that's almost Orwellian, right? You know, I had big brother, you know, looking over my shoulder. So it, it perhaps either of you um, could speak to what is the concept of this donating social media? Yeah, I'm happy to talk both about what it actually looks like and then sort of uh, address the, the Orwellian uh, thought process there. Um, so the, like, concretely, what does donating your information mean? So there is a, a forgive me for going a bit computer science here. Um, many of these platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Fitbit, Strava, they have a way for um, people to interact with it uh, programmatically. And so we can write computer code that can go, 
and get data from Facebook or Twitter or something else and process it and analyze it. Um, we can only do that with the permission of the people's account that we're looking at here. And so the, the donation, really what we're talking about here, donating your data, uh, really is basically you saying, yes, it's okay for Quantify to go and analyze my data. Uh, and so that's at its core. There's a bunch of computer science that's built up around that to make that uh, possible and secure. But at its core, it's really saying, I'm giving Quantify permission to go look at, at my past uh, and to look at what, what, what my life has looked like there and, and uh, use that to, to understand what some of these patterns might look like. Uh, so this is and very similar. Some, sorry, Glenn, go ahead, Casey. And I think it's also important for folks to know that um, Glenn's not looking at your pictures that you're posting <laughs> on Facebook um, and the team. We're really looking at um, this. Um, and, and as part of the research protocol that we designed, we assure the, that the data is anonymous and is looked at in, in aggregate, um, again, so that we can um, look at where there might be segments of the marketplace. Um, and, you know, we, we, because um, I can appreciate the privacy concerns um, with my social media data, um, we make sure that we follow every um, privacy guideline um, that is that has been established. And again, like Glenn, Glenn and the Quantify team have really led the field in identifying how we use this type of data for health-related research in ethical ways. Um, and so I, I just I felt like it was really again like the partnership was was the right partnership. Um, because of just the ethics behind um, their core values and and the way that um, they operate on a daily basis. Yeah, if I can uh, amplify some of the non-Orwellian characteristics of that, right, what Casey has talked about, right? We're, we're only ever looking at aggregates. The computers are analyzing the data, right? They're sifting through the data the way that they're supposed to. But when a human eye goes and looks at these things, we're looking at the result of the entirety of the population or the entirety of the segment that we're looking at or the entirety of the archetype. And so it's aggregated in the same way that your uh, demographics at a county level would be aggregated. So you can't identify any one person from the census. You see a, a sort of overall, um, uh, overall picture of what's happening there. Uh, and critically, we're never going to interact Right. This is this is the other scary side from the Orwellian uh, standpoint. Uh, we're not going to try to affect your life in any way directly. We're not going to reach out to you. We're not going to ask you. Know, we're not going to poke you in this sort of a way. It's it's uh the this is really just providing us the information so we can really understand where is where are the people that we haven't yet reached, um, and what what is it that they're doing generally, right? Not specifically, but generally as a as a group. Where might we be able to get to them and and uh, engage with them when they want to be engaged with? Right. And, and this is, uh, you know, the horse is already out on the barn uh, when it comes to online privacy, right? Everybody wants to, you know, grab the torches and pitchforks, but we're geotagging every single picture, right? You could probably follow, well, not that I do, but some people, you could probably follow them around for a week just seeing where they're at in social media, right? You know, and so, oh, Bob's in Barcelona now, right? And, 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 and we can, and, and with our connections, it's, it's sort of out there. But then when people hear this, um, that what we're trying to do, um, is is like you know evil empire kind of stuff, but it's already there, right? It's it's just it's sitting out there. It's um, but but also what what it makes me think of um, is when veterans or, or anybody volunteers to allow um, allow quantify to see what their social media aggregate data is. Um, we now know that the water in Camp Lejeune was toxic for, for many, many of the Marines who served there. And now in the recent years, um, uh, there's been um, steps for the VA to be able to uh, provide support for that. We wouldn't know that if all of those Marines hadn't come forward and volunteered, you know, and, and, and given their blood. Same thing happens, honestly, for me where we're at. We recently had a, a water contamination spill and they, the, 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 uh, government or the, the, um, uh, the city government here came out and said, hey, residents in this area, can you donate some of your blood to be evaluated? And then that way they were able to tell how widespread it is. So we're doing this on the medical side with the Million Veteran Program with the VA. Um, it's just people will balk when it comes to 
Um, why are you going to look at something that I give out publicly anyway? Yeah, I, I appreciate you mentioning all of those. I, you know, when I first brought this concept to the Alliance, um, I think it was actually Jared Lyon, the CEO of Student Veterans of America, who, who said, uh, he stood up sort of very, I mean, if you know Jared, he has a really Big great presence. speaking, speaking quality. Yes. And presence and, and also just a real, um, command of data, um, specifically in his case, relevant to student veterans. But he, you know, it was like, you see, from my perspective, I, I can't imagine why we wouldn't do this. This type of data is our blood donation. Um, it is the blood donation of the past. Um, it is the future. And we as veterans should be leading that. And um, it gave me chills. It still gives me chills. Um, because I, I believe this project is not only going to change the landscape of mental health care for veterans, but I actually think veterans are going to lead the transformation in mental health care overall. Um, and I, 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 you know, for those of you on the call who would like to join us, um, we would love to have you join us. And um, you can go to warriorsconnect.ourdatahelps.org. Um, or if um, you're interested in doing it via text, um, Glenn and the team have actually set up a really great SMS code. Um, you can text warriors to 21000, um, and you should get the link after that. So you can go directly to the website or um, to the SMS text. Yes, and, and I'll definitely make sure that all of those are in the show notes. Um, and, you know, and as Casey knows, and um, I've donated my own or I've given permission um, to be part of this um, this project. Um, but, you know, I still have a lot of control over what I opt into. Um, uh, I chose to um, you know, include Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, for whatever reason, I didn't choose Fitbit apparently, and I'm not really on Reddit and Tumblr, right? But, but, you know, somebody could just say, oh, I only want you to look at my Twitter and, and it's not going to go into Facebook and things like that. And so, and, and this is something, Glenn, for you to be able to speak to is the veteran or the individual participating in this project is very much in control. And that's how Quanti, uh, Quantify set it up. That's exactly right. Uh, and so I should, before we even talk about the individual pieces here, we had, we laid out the whole protocol for, uh, Southern Methodist University. And we went through their process that they would approve for any of their researchers. Uh, it was what's known as a institutional review board or an IRB. It's an ethics board within the university that approves research projects like this. And so we went through and said, listen, here's all the things we're going to do. Here's all the ways, here's all the things we're going to, we're going to tell them. You can see we're telling them exactly the way we're going to analyze it. Um, and so they are, they all have informed consent. They're, they're, they understand what's happening here. They have given us consent to go do this analysis. And they critically, they have the ability at some future time, if they decide they don't want to, to say, I'm out, remove my data. We're good. Uh, so that's a, that's a critical part of this whole procedure here that if, if you change your mind then later, you can then remove it too. Um, the critical piece of this, um, the the institutional review board is that they do this for every major research study that you can think of has gone through this sort of review uh and so that's the level of rigor with which we were we had all dedicated to like we want a bunch of outside people looking at this and saying yeah that that looks exactly like I, what i would expect it to look like you're uh, you know above board you're acting ethically you're protecting their privacy in the right sort of ways um so you should you should take solace in the fact that not only you know, have we said these things, but also Southern Methodist has, will stand behind and said this is in fact the right way to go, uh, approaching this research. Um, the, in fact, uh, again, the veteran picking what it is or, or civilian picking what it is that they want to donate is, is, uh, critically useful. And so, you know, you, you didn't, uh, desire to hand us the Fitbit data and that's, that's great. You know what? The information you have given us is super useful one way or the other. It tells us something about what it is that you care about. And the things that you are talking about online and the places that you are engaging online. And that's really, really critically helpful, uh, because that really does help us understand you in amongst the, the set of other voices, um, really helps us see, uh, that, that aspect of your life. Some other people might only want us to see their sleep disturbances or something else and only let us, uh, see their, their Fitbit data. And you know what? That's useful too, because we can see information there. We can see how different that might be from the civilians and things like that. Um, so really any, any combination of the data that people feel comfortable giving, uh, does 
it does provide some use uh, and does provide a little bit of insight. And so it's sort of like a big bucket, little drops of water. As we keep adding those drops of water, that bucket is going to get awful heavy and is going to be, uh, it's going to have enough information can actually do some things uh and it's it's really uh it's a it's incredibly powerful even though individually it doesn't seem like it's a lot of, of information um being able to look at the groups together really does give us a tremendous amount of insight uh, and we've we've already found some interesting things uh are testing some things uh within the alliance as to how we might be able to better reach some of these folks uh, i'm not going to speak to that directly i'll let casey say as much or as little as she's she's comfortable saying well, I'll, I'll just say that we are we are excited about some of the prim- promising findings, and we look forward to um, coming back on the podcast in the future uh, to be able to share them. Uh, hopefully, Dwayne, you just allowed me to invite myself back on your podcast. Um, I hope that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, our goal is to get to 10,000 participants by the end of this year. Um, we're right now at um, almost almost 400 connected networks. Um, so we, we have a long way to go, but we think by working with this audience and others, um, we will get there. It's an ambitious goal, but um, President Bush is known for setting ambitious goals. And um, I am too. Um, they're, working, they're working at the Bush Institute. And so I, I think my other sort of call to action would be um, if you could let me... Um, or Dwayne know of any opportunity for us to share more information about this opportunity for us all to come together and, and, and help. I would be delighted um, to do this dog and pony show again, um, or to um, have any, any follow-up conversations with folks who are interested in the work in the future. Yeah, that's great. So um, if, first, Casey, if you'd like to, if someone would like to reach out, we're definitely going to have the uh, warriorsconnect.ourdatahelps.org. Uh, um, but how can somebody reach out to you and connect with you um, to be able to find out more information if they're interested? Sure. Um, you can find me on the Bush Institute website, um, bushcenter.org slash A is the, the link directly to the website. Or if you search for Casey Kelly Bush Institute, I, I should come up um, with an email address. Um, and, um, or you can email me directly at Casey, K-A-C-I-E dot Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y at bushcenter.org. That's great. And, uh, you know, Glenn, especially much of the younger veteran population has, uh, as we were talking before, I have adopted digital, but then there are some uh, digital natives out there that may want to um, reach out and see how they can help quantify um, and, and even just find out more about what you're doing. Um, until I had uh, um, heard about it from Casey, I, I, I wasn't aware of quantify, but I'm fascinated by the intersection between technology and psychology. So how can people find you uh, on the web? And I assume social media as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh- uh, I can, <laughs> I'm not, I personally am not great at social media. Oh, the irony. Uh, but the, you can find us where we're at quantify. And so we spell quantify funny. It's just five letters, Q N T F Y. Uh, you can find us on, on Twitter or something else, but you can also go to our old fashioned website, uh, which is HTTP colon slash slash Q N T F Y.com. Uh, and if you really, if, if email is your thing, you can email info at quantify.com and that'll, that'll get to a bunch of us. We'll be able to answer your questions. That's great. And, and absolutely, uh, Casey and Glenn, what you were, uh, as Glenn was talking about the current findings, I was thinking even before you, um, voluntold that you were going to be back on, uh, <laughs> I absolutely want, uh, to be able to swing back around and say, what have we found, um, and, and what's going to be effective. And so absolutely there's a standing invitation, uh, for either or both of you to come back on the show. Um, because like you said, Casey, I, I think this is some innovative groundbreaking research. Um, and it's probably going to help shape how we provide information for veterans for the foreseeable future. So thank you both for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, where we're trying to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health. I appreciate that conversation. 
As I mentioned several times in the episode, this is certainly an attempt to bridge the gaps that exist in the veteran community. Here's a short story. Two years ago, my agency, the Family Care Center, received a grant to provide no-cost mental health counseling to veterans and their spouses who experience barriers to mental health treatment. This means, of course, the cost of mental health treatment, the availability, and the quality of it. Anything that could get in the way of a veteran or spouse receiving outpatient therapy that they wanted or needed, we tried to eliminate it. We've been successful. We've supported hundreds of veterans and military spouses with the treatment that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to receive. What I felt all along, though, is that we're not reaching enough. We have the capacity to serve more veterans when it comes to their mental health and wellness, and I realize that one of the biggest barriers that exists is that veterans don't know about the program and have a certain opinion about mental health treatment. We know that there are veterans who are struggling. We talk about it all the time. The rising suicide rate, the alarming opioid crisis within the veteran population. The problem is, despite the best efforts to change these things, something is missing. And this research project is designed to figure out what that something is. To bridge the gap between those organizations that the Warrior Wellness Alliance have access to veterans, the Bush Institute's Team 43, the Student Veterans of America, Team Rubicon, Team Red, White, and Blue, the mission continues, and those organizations who are providing mental health support, like the Wounded Warrior Project Warrior Care Network, the Marcus Institute for Brain Health, and the Cohen Veterans Network. I ask, again, that you go to warriorsconnect.rdatahelps.org and look around. Consider signing up for the project. Often, veterans will say that they'll do anything to help another veteran. Here's a chance. Thanks for taking the time to check us out. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, go to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash HST094. While you're there, share the link with someone that you think may enjoy it. One of the challenges in changing the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health is spreading the word. You can subscribe in a bunch of different podcast players like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many others. Check everywhere you can hear us at veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash platforms. While you're checking it out, consider dropping a rating or review on the show. It helps the show rank higher in searches. I get it. We tend to consume content rather than interact with it. When I read a newspaper article, watch a movie, or read a book, I don't always think to myself, I should go online, log in, and rate or review this. The thing is, we don't know how we're doing if we don't get feedback. It would be great if you could give us some feedback and tell us how we're doing. Let us know what you want us to sustain and suggest how we can improve. Leaving a review on any platform will certainly do that. One more thing. Just a reminder that the guests and information in this show are for educational purposes only and are not meant to be considered professional advice. While I'm a practicing therapist, I am not your therapist. If something you've heard makes you think that you need to talk to somebody, then reach out to do so. I'd like to thank Doc Todd for giving us permission to use his track, Not Alone, from his album Combat Medicine. Doc is trying to bring the discussion about veteran mental health out of the darkness into the light. And you can see all of his work at therealdoctod.com. Make sure to join us next week for another great episode. And until then, remember veterans, you're not alone. Ever. The struggle is real, found a piece and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies Broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic tendency, embrace my ability
I love you guys. Take those bottles out, dog, and pour them in the sink. Take the needles out your arm and the gun away from your forehead. It's time, man. You've been through enough pain. Stand up. It's time to stand back up. All my veterans, man. Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard. Get up, you know. Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.